The hostilities in Ukraine have left hundreds of seafarers held hostage. Some have even died. Moreover, the invasion has significantly disrupted shipping, with international maritime law routinely ignored in the name of special military operations. The too often overlooked implications of the war for seafarers, the heart of our industry, that can't be forgotten. For well over a year now, they have been caught up in a crisis far beyond their control. And the fact that that follows directly from the crew change crisis that saw tens of thousands of seafarers stranded at sea throughout the COVID pandemic, well, that's left many in the industry concerned about the lasting effects of this war on seafarers. Guy Platten, Secretary General of the International Chamber of Shipping, points out that the security risk deceivers just cannot be overlooked in any assessment of the impact of the war. We mustn't forget as well that some crew members got severely injured, some lost their lives with the collateral damage from this. So it once again highlights just the important role that seafarers play and how much we rely on them and actually how much they do on our behalf. So I think that was the, the sort of, it reignited that that thing from COVID where we really must focus on the welfare. And this time we were able to get together very quickly on that. I think one year on, sadly, there's still 62 ships stuck in Ukrainian ports. There are seafarers on board. Now, many of them are down to skeleton crews. Many of them have been replaced with Ukrainians, but there's still quite a few foreign nationals um, uh, on board, which we we obviously have to have them in our our minds. And we wrote an open letter to the UN Secretary General uh, signed by the 30 organisations, including welfare and social partners, and it does seem to be having an effect, so we're pleased about that. But we want to make sure that in the minds of the public, we don't forget that ships are there, seafarers are there doing that really important job. So it's a very long-winded answer um, for, for my, my thoughts on it. And, you know, we can go on to the trade routes shifting as well. But really, our priority now is to make sure as we renegotiate the Black Sea Grain Initiative, that we also bear in mind those ships which are stuck and how can we get them out and how can we get the crews out. But with so many Ukrainian and Russian seafarers now effectively out of the market, there is also the wider implications to consider in terms of longer-term supply of labour. 10% of seafarers come from Russia, 4% come from Ukraine. There's definitely an impact there and where they're employed and who employs them and how they get paid. And with, with the Ukrainian seafarers, it's can they even leave the country once they're back in the country because of the, the military conscription. So there's undoubtedly exacerbated issues of labour supply uh, we know that. And, you know, uh, you can't just train a seafarer in a, in, a, in a month or so. It takes a long time. And they're specialist, skilled people. So I think that has ongoing implications and how that's going to change and how that's going to work going forward. And, um, you know, I, I, we're already going to be 96,000 officers short. You know, is this going to make the problem worse? And that's that's the question. Well, only time will tell. The question of Russia's continued involvement in the wider mechanics of shipping's institutions has proved to be a politically divisive issue that has seen several expulsions and widespread severing of ties. For the moment, Russia continues to participate actively inside the International Maritime Organization. And although the chief of the Russian shipowner Polar Reyes stepped down from the board of the International Chamber of Shipping after his company was sanctioned by the U.S., the Russian Chamber of Shipping continues to be an active member of the ICS, which, lest we not forget, represents more than 80% of the world's merchant fleet. As far as the ICS and Guy Platten are concerned, it's important to maintain lines of communication with the Russian Chamber during the war to ensure safety of seafarers. 
it's very important. I mean, we've got to separate the two issues out of our own our own feelings about whatever's going on and what we're doing as a, as an industry. I mean, the global nature of it means it's it's regulated and it's safe. That's that's the important thing. So that's really important to to keep. And if you fragment that, you know, you you could actually you know imperil safety. The other thing as well is 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 about crew as well. The crew comes from so many different nationalities. It's important that we keep those lines of communication open to look after welfare and the well-being of our of our crews as well. So it's a complex area. I mean, we we you know it's it's about trying to make sure we do the right thing, and that's what I what drives me is is am I doing the right thing? Shipping adapts, of course, it always does. But according to Guy, nobody should be planning for any immediate return to whatever normal looked like before the war. I, I don't think even if the war was to end tomorrow, that's not going to be the end of it because there's a lot of ramification that come with it. So I don't think things will go back to normal quickly or uh, I think it'll be months and years. But even if the, the, the fighting stops now before we get sort of some sort of normalisation, but shipping adapts and, and that, you know, and it learns to live within the envelope that it's, it's allowed to operate. And I think that that's one thing that this whole thing has demonstrated. I mean, just take, let's look at the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which uh, quite a few of us, I think, were thinking, is this really going to work? Um, but uh, it did. You know, it was set up in July, agreed in July and from August. And I think oh, well over 23 million tonnes of grain have now been transferred through the corridor. It's a rare oasis of diplomatic triumph um, in all the things that have gone on. So, uh, you know, that 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 just shows and, and, and actually the first ships within a couple of weeks of it being signed were, were sailing and carrying grain. So that's how resilient and how adaptable shipping can be. The implications for shipping, of course, stretch well beyond the pain felt by seafarers. So if you would like to hear more, there are several more episodes of this podcast looking at the market's impact, the rise of the dark fleet and compliance complexities as a result the consequences for Ukraine's seaborne trade, and a deep dive into the insurance implications. You can find these episodes by following the links on loislist.com. Thank you for listening.